top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the Champions Edition, the end of season edition, the team of the season edition, bringing you all the action from England and Italy and a little bit of Europe in this show. I'm your host, Matt, joined by my co-host, Dom. Dom, I don't even need to ask how you're doing because I just saw you take a swig of beer. You had a, a very, uh, I, we're not middle-aged, but it felt like a middle-aged day because you had a concrete project to do on your day off. Uh, celebrate was, the holiday weekend. I was very Italian today. I was gonna say you got a little tan today. Uh, definitely got some sun, my friend. Uh, laying the concrete out there. No body disposal this time. Uh, yeah. Purely, purely aesthetic and property value forward. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I got in touch with my roots. Became real, uh, real Goomba day. You know, laying down some concrete, mixing concrete. Uh, you know, it was cool. I learned I learned a lot. You know, I have a new trade that, you know, you, <laughs> you need to lay down a, a new driveway or something. I'm, I'm your guy now. I'm giving you a call. Okay. <laughs> Dom, Dom side job, Pontar. Here for you. Uh, before, we, before we get into anything, I kind of just want to say, I think I had that same exact shirt you have on, like, back when I was in college as well. And I don't know what happened to it. I yeah. lost it. I bought it. I had it for, like, three because, days. Yeah. It disappeared. We could have, uh, you know, it's weird. Everyone has a story like that with like clothes, especially in college. It's like, I don't know what ever happened to that shirt or hoodie. Um, probably someone stole it out of like the dryer or something. Uh, just kind of a wasteland, you know, of like, uh, of clothes. I remember oh, girls God. used to get mad because other girls would steal girls like bras, which I mean, like are expensive too. Um, so like there was like a whole thing I remember where girls bras kept getting stolen by other girls and they were like there was like this entire it's it seems kind of insane to me I guess since they were washed whatever but um yeah hide your bras well, I guess lock I mean, them up I wanted to I wanted to fight somebody one day because I went into the laundry room my freshman year and saw that somebody took my clothes out of the washer to use the washer because they were all filled up and just threw all my wet clothes on the floor disrespect. Just, Nothing, no basket, not on top of a, no, just on the floor. And I was like, unless like someone <laughs> threw up in something, there's no, there, there's no need for you to have done that. You know, like your, your laundry is not that important unless it literally like vomit soaked. Then, you know, it fair enough, fair enough. You, you did what you had to do. But um, unless that's the scenario, I, I don't know how you do that with all good conscience as a person. Uh, before we get into the main episode, got to give a shout out to our sponsor. This episode of Top Bins is brought to you by Beanio Board. Beanio is the next big tabletop game for your man cave slash she shed. 
you think paper football meets foosball, and you've got Bino. Bino Board is a game and lifestyle brand based in Phoenix, Arizona. Their goal is to provide the highest quality boards and a true brand experience. Every part of their boards have been tested time and time again for the best possible playability, so that every Flickr's experience is a positive one. You can bring the world together with Bino and hear someone's story from the other side of the pitch right now. Literally right now, this second, as you're listening or watching this, you can go to BinoBoard.com and use our code BinoUSP. That's B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P for 10% off your order, including the newly launched limited edition Ultraviolet Board and Team USA and Team Mexico merch. That's code BinoUSP for 10% off your order at BinoBoard.com. Down at the Champions League final Saturday. Uh, it turned into one of the worst days of my life um, as whenever Liverpool play Real Madrid, it tends to do. Uh, this one hurt. This this one hurt in a different way than 2018. 2018, it felt like Liverpool were a team that, I wouldn't say lucky to be there, but certainly I think were ahead of where they, they expected to be at that stage, and it felt like they were certainly the team with uh, the most to prove in that final. Um, this final, it felt like Liverpool coming in were the favorites, right? And I think even if you look, you watch that game and, and you just cut out the goals and you just show the chances before like the saves, you probably would say Liverpool win this game. Uh, but Thibaut Courtois is a, a fantastic final performance. Hats off to him. He wins man of the match. Totally deserving. Um, like we have said about Real Madrid in this Champions League run, you cannot count them out at any stage. And there was something very, I don't know, divine about them this entire run uh, when you consider that the teams that they went through and the manner in which they did it it was pretty much the same as all the other knockouts where you could make the case that they probably weren't the better team but they found a way to win and that deserves credit in of itself uh definitely one of the hardest champions league runs of all time uh credit to them just a a great performance but frustrating from the, the liverpool perspective they knocked out three of the four english teams in the competition which are absolutely incredible, right? After beating, after knocking off PSG, they beat Chelsea, City, and Liverpool on their way to the title. It's absolutely insane. Um, like you said, Thibaut Courtois, like, if he wasn't in net, Liverpool probably win this game. I mean, he he gave the rest of the team that kind of confidence to move forward. I think that some of the uh, choices in the lineup uh, that Ancelotti went with kind of played to Real Madrid's strengths um, and, and, and help benefited the players that they kind of depend on when it comes to scoring chances. Um, but, you know, Hey, it, it, it was a, it was a crazy game, really well played um, back and forth, tons of action. Um, and I know it's, it's, it's kind of bittersweet for you. You, you get, you see your team lose, but you did win some money. I will have to say you did, didn't. Money you means nothing. Right. <laughs> listen, listen. I, I said this to Sarah. She because I told her before the game that I had, you know, I bet on Real Madrid. Like you know, at this point, what a uh, three or four months ago, back in February, um, and that I had bet again in like an anti-jinx, right? Um, and uh, she was like, you know, like how much? You, and you know, I think it was like a few hundred dollars. And I was like, I would trade all of it. In fact, I would trade more. To have Liverpool win, win the Champions League, I would I would spend whatever it took. Oh, of course. Whatever I mean, you, you you would then have uh, joint custody of second place for most titles uh, ever since uh, the UEFA Champions yeah. League has been a thing. So, well, it's it's crazy Liverpool with the Champions League final too because uh, since it's you know rebranded to the Champions League, they've only been in the Champions League fourteen times, but they've made it to six finals. 
uh, which is stupid. <laughs> that's like that's a dumb ratio. Um, there is something, but here's the thing, right? It's here's what's frustrating about it for me. You never know when this is going to be your last final. If you would ask Manchester United fans in 2011 if that was their last Champions League final for now 11 years, they would not have believed that. Um, you never know when that stage is coming. Even for Madrid, right? You know they hadn't been back in 2018. I know that's only a four-year layoff, but. Still, uh, you know, that they would have expected been back in the next two or three years, and it, it took them to that fourth. And even then, I think if you'd asked a lot of people, you know, either Real Madrid fans or even neutral people this time last year, if they'd be in a Champions League final, let alone winning it this year, I don't know that people really would have believed that. I think the narrative around Madrid this time last year was, was a lot different as, as compared to it is now. Um, and obviously, you know, in the lead up to the final, they have the whole Mbappe staying with PSG thing. But as soon as that happened, I got really nervous because like, oh, fuck. Now they have something. Like, now they have what they need. Um, and it's just, it's it's super frustrating, right? Because this liberal team is, is good enough to be winning like the major, major trophies. And, uh, you know, just... It's so frustrating. Watch them just go a point short in in the league and uh, the lead up, and then it feels like probably should have won this game. You had the chances, uh, just couldn't finish as as well as you could. And um, like I said, congrats to Madrid. Uh, you know, we'll be talking about this, especially the core of this Madrid team, for a very long time because uh, what they've been able to do at the top level is spectacular. And you know, you look at the signings they're making too. Um, they are definitely future planning right now, and, and, and this is going to be a, a problem for the future too with Real Madrid. Um, you'd mentioned what a hard run it was. I was actually really curious because I, I feel like this has to be one of the hardest runs um, to a Champions League final. I, I just think it's it's that, again, PSG in the knockouts, uh, Manchester City, Chelsea, and then Liverpool in the final. Um, there was actually a study by Dartmouth Sports Analytics, uh, credit to David Herrera and Michael Smith, Graduate in 2018. Hope you're doing well, fellas. Uh, they actually had the same question I did, which was, what is the, the hardest Champions League run ever in, in the knockout stages? And they, you know, essentially, like, boiled down, you know, your UEFA coefficient, your league points, and came up with a number. The hardest, now this was in 2017, so we, we don't have, you know, data since then, but the hardest actual Champions League run to that point was Real Madrid in 2016-17 uh, when they won it. Uh, they had Napoli in the first round, Bayern Munich, and then Atletico, and then Juventus in the final. Um, that was a hard one. That was obviously heyday of Napoli too. You know, that's that's sorry Higuain Napoli. Uh, that's, of course, Bayern Munich. Uh, very, very good. Um, yeah, Atletico Madrid, very good at that stage. And Juventus, you know, still a, a, a top, top team. Um yeah, that Madrid team is something else um, in terms of uh, just talent alone, like just crazy. But the second highest, according to this study as well, was Real Madrid in 2014, right? Remember that, that very famous Atletico Madrid final? Um, just behind them was Bayern Munich in 2013 uh, with the, the highest or I guess hardest route. Um, Real Madrid in 2016 and then uh, Inter in 2010, actually. Uh, rounding out there so um, Real Madrid when they do it they do it uh, spectacularly it seems <laughs> they have a habit that they actually I think maybe stumble a bit more with the, the weaker teams um, you know one of the only teams that's really knocked them out in the last few years was that Ajax team right in uh, in 2018 2019 but um, congrats to them they, they deserve a lot of credit for the way they played Carlo Ancelotti as well now really cementing himself as one of if he wasn't already but I mean I, I think some of the shine of him had faded a little bit, um, I would say, in the last four or five years. There's no question about it now. You know, yeah, just, I tell you, being on the other end of that eyebrow raise, not as fun. Not as fun. It's, it's not, I'm, 
I'm postponing eyebrow raising for like six to seven months for me. I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Feeling all right though, you know? We're living post <laughs> post major disappointment. It is what it is. Um Liverpool what, did have what did a. You think, what did you think of the? Uh, I, I think you were just about to mention this, but uh, what did you think about the uh, parade? So they, you know, every what's stupid too is like everyone always uses this as ammunition when it's like they had a pl- parade planned for the next day. And it's like literally every major sport always has to have a plan for that because you have to have like police and and you have to have certain areas cordoned off, like there's like, all that. There's a so lot they'd of had, parts. They'd had this parade planned and. Klopp even mentioned this after the FA Cup final and the League Cup final. They weren't able to actually celebrate them because they had games in the next three days. So it was a chance for like them and the fans to actually celebrate those two trophies. Um, and it, it bled over to the fact that really Liverpool have not been able to celebrate a lot of their success because so much of it has come during the COVID window where you really couldn't have big gatherings. I mean, it was a huge turnout too, which was fantastic. And ultimately, yeah, I mean... In hindsight, you know, like you look at it now, it's like it's a little funny because it's the day after he's the Champions League final. But I also think that speaks a lot to just the like how good the times are that it's still you could get that good of a showing. And yes, Saturday was super disappointing, but when you look back on this season and how good it was, like there was a time in my life where just being regular, regularly in the Champions League was not attainable for Liverpool, right? And you know, you win two domestic cups so close to the Premier League in the Champions League final again. Um, it's it's a good feeling, and I don't really have an issue with it. I don't. I think most teams in that situation too would definitely have a parade for for winning like domestic uh, double in the cups. Like I don't know. I, I think anyone bothered by it is being a weirdo, um, and maybe just needs to like I don't know what do the kids say touch grass right like just just figure it out, figure life out a little bit. But um, it was good to see. It was good to see the players too seem to really appreciate the turnout, and uh, you know you got to remember it's like the most disappointing thing for them too to lose a cup final, but. I think to be embraced the next day says a lot, personally. They were letting Trent hear it online about all that. He took the- People literally can't let Trent live. It's so weird, too, because he's such a great player. Um, and some of it strays into... I I don't want to get too deep into the rabbit hole about why I think people like pick on Trent specifically. I think a lot of that does have to do with the color of his skin. Um, I think some people are very weird to him in a very, to me, racist way. I think if there was like any other player that was like white... I don't know that Trent gets the weird. Not that all, like all of it is is like that, but I I get a weird vibe sometimes the way people talk about Trent because it strays into like brother. I don't think it's that serious actually. Um, seems like a normal person, and I don't know has been to three Champions League finals at the age of twenty three. The only other player to get close to that uh, by like I think it was like a hundred days was uh, Del Piero in ninety nine. So. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts.
anytime you're in a stat like that with Del Piero, maybe like give him some of his respect. Uh, double figure uh, assists again in the league. Um, not something been done. I don't know. I'll tell I, you, I'll tell the you way this. people talk about him is, is uncomfortable at times and strange for me personally. But watching him uh, leave Vinny unmarked at the at the far post. And then going on and playing FIFA maybe a couple hours later and seeing my Trent team of the season leaving people unmarked at the back post, you got to say there's a lot of realism that EA Sports has, has been doing this year. It's, it's very close to real life. <laughs> well, that's all we got for today's show. I'm just... <laughs> I had to get a little dig in. but Well, Vinicius deserves a lot of credit, too, because as a player, like he's he's grown so much. It's kind of funny because I think both of – like him and Trent, I think, have similar – so many people have like harped on their inability to do like certain aspects of their game that they've like missed the forest for the trees a lot with both of those players. I think it's funny that so much of the buildup was about them. I didn't think Trent did a lot wrong in that play either, personally, but um, I haven't watched it back personally. Again. I don't know if no, anyone else does this. They don't, I typically don't watch the highlights for major finals that my team just lost, but um, I didn't think it was like an egregious defending error. Um, no, I it think, was an amazing pass. That pass. Was it was not even was, a pass. It was, it was he did not mean the pass either. <laughs> like, it was, it was which is no shame in. There's nothing like some of the greatest goals ever have been assisted by goal like shots. That, that was a shot that he <laughs> messed up badly, and it was, <laughs> and it was. It, but I think for Vinicius too, it's one of the criticisms about him has been his like end product about his finishing. Totally turned that around this year. Uh, 20 plus goal, 20 plus assists this year, like unreal stats. And that type of like awareness and positioning was not a part of his game. And he's grown and developed that. And is he looks fantastic. He's going to be a menace for years to come uh, for well, sure. I, I have a, I have a soft spot for that because I, a lot of the, the way, you know, you brought up similarities between him and Trent with how they're, how they're each treated within their fan base. I can see a lot of similarities between him and, and like Rafael Leao the same way, right? They come into the they're coming to the respective clubs with really high expectations. They may not perform up to the fans' standards. They start getting some slack from the fans, and now they come back in another season. And next thing you know, boom, they've just exploded onto the scene with with their club. You know, being a major major player for their team. Like you said, forty. 40-plus goal contributions between goals and assists for him this season is absolutely incredible. At his age, too. That's insane. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, it hasn't – it weirdly, I don't think, has gotten – I don't exactly know why, I guess. There's been a lot of Mbappe stuff with Madrid, and I think that's that's watered it down a bit. And Benzema's obviously been fantastic. But Vinicius having the season he had, I think, has gone a little uh, under the radar. Speaking of Leal, by the way, because, you know, spoiler alert, we're doing some team of the season stuff in the back half of the show. But I was just looking, you know, like – through a uh, football reference, just like looking at stats this season, seeing like where people ended up. Uh, Rafael Leao had 106 players dribbled past in the league this season. Second place in Serie A was Nico Gonzalez with 66. That's a yeah. <laughs> 106 to 66 in second place. 40. There's there's a 40 man difference between that. That's pretty insane. Um, for anyone curious, third was Gianluca Caprari, uh, Felipe Anderson, and Jeremy Boga. Uh, running out the top five, but that's pretty pretty nutty, actually. <laughs> what do you talk about, Rafa Leo? Um Let's talk a little more Italy, shall we? Actually, because Roma won the uh, the URA, the URA, I, I gotta get this right. The UEFA Europa Conference League uh, <laughs> final. Uh, Jose Mourinho's uh, participation uh, trophy. 
Uh, I know that's how you're going to have to console yourself, friend. But uh, <laughs> the fans certainly didn't treat it that way. The players didn't treat it that way. Jose Mourinho certainly did not treat oh, it no, that way. No, he did not. Um, interesting cup final, too. It, it very much went the way that a lot of Mourinho games have, right? Where it's uh, a goal and then no chance. No no shot of life uh, for Feyenoord. There was like five, ten minutes in the second half where it seemed like they could have gotten a goal. And that might have changed things a little bit, a little bit, but... Um, just never really materialized for them. Didn't really have the quality in the final third. But Roma, first Italian team to win a European trophy since Jose Mourinho did it with Inter, as forementioned in uh, in 2010. Um, it's a big deal for them. It, it's it's their their first European trophy. Um, any you know, fair enough. It's not the ultimate prize, um, but it's the competition that you're in. They played good teams to get here, um, and they played a good team in the final, and they won it. And to be able to do that in, in the first season of the tournament, too, to always have uh, you as the, as the first winner, that's a pretty cool feeling. And I think it's also, it is a material, uh, like, mile marker for Roma now, too, where they, they really have not had success as a club in terms of winning things. They've only won three league titles in their history, which, you know, when you think of, like, the size of Roma as a club and... You know, they've had some great players and great seasons even over the last few years uh, for if not to really turn into lots of like big trophies uh, to now have this European trophy. I, I think it's big. I, I think I've been a little kinder to Roma than, than you are um, in the past, which is fair enough. But I think on the whole, I, I think there's something exciting about this team. And Jose, I think it's been pretty good, honestly, with, with what he has. He has. He has. I was going to say, um, you know, at, at Milan, they have this this room and the entire wall is of all the trophies that they've won and it encompasses this this giant UEFA Champions League trophy that they put in the in the center of the room you know because they've won it the second most out of any club in Europe you go to Juventus they've got a wall full of trophies right you go to Inter they've got a table it's it's got quite a bit it's got a quite a bit of history on it but they got a table you go to Roma they have a pedestal for this one trophy. It's getting shade from the bonsai tree that was given to them as a trophy and a friendly. And then, you know, uh, over in the corner collecting dust. They, it may be in a dust pile, actually, or the or the Scudetti that they won years and years ago. So, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of history. Most most not for Roma, but you know, uh, at least they got a European trophy for themselves. It's nice. Uh, it, they're talking they're talking their fans are talking brazy on twitter though their their fans are going real crazy on they do twitter. they do maybe have the most unhinged Syria twitter fan base. <laughs> yeah, i'll say that they, they, they absolutely but you know what though you know what i respect about roma fans online they commit to the bit fully oh and you know what God, some people wish wash but they go all the way and I, I actually respect that a lot out of them um it's- it's so funny. They're the ones that are posting the most stuff about the illegitimate Scudetto for this year and and, and this and that. And, and, oh, man, we won a European trophy. They did. <laughs> Marino counted. They held up the five, baby. He's got five of them now. Oh, my. Uh, he held up the five. He did. He, <laughs> oh he said he was waving. God. He said he was waving. We all know exactly <laughs> what he was doing. We all know exactly what he was doing. You see him driving the bus, too? They let him drive the bus. Yeah, so <laughs> someone that old should not be driving something so big. That's all I'll say. Uh, I love what's, the man. What, what's funnier though, Roma letting Mourinho drive or Ibra breaking the windshield of the bus? <laughs> uh, Ibra is more scary because 
how nonchalant he was in breaking the window was that like it's actually terrifying like and then, and then he, he has the nerve to like look at the bus driver when he's getting yelled at because he broke his window and he goes he's <laughs> like what do you want me to do like it's <laughs> I, I don't know how he broke that uh, in the way that he did. Um, so congrats to Roma, right, for, for winning the, the first conference league. And um, it is it is a big deal, I would say. And we've talked before about the direction this team is headed. And if you look at the, the landscape of Serie A, they're a team that has potential to grow. Uh, they have some good young players. Tammy Abraham had a, a fantastic debut season for them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Roma, you know, in like – firmly in a top four race next year I, I think they have like the bare bones to do it it's gonna depend a lot on the summer um not just what happens with them but with some of these other uh top italian teams but uh, do you I, think i'm looking forward to see where they go Zaniolo? i think they might um uh, he zaniolo is really frustrating for me because i think he has like all the tools and he even saw it in that goal like he took it so well. He's so composed. He has this ability at times. Like we've seen these like mazy runs. He's got this great physical attributes. Like he has so much to offer. And I feel like it's just never consistent enough. I don't know if it's a mentality thing or what. Um, if they get like a good offer for him, I don't know who would be doing this by the way though. But, um, and I think maybe the, the, the ship has sailed a little bit on him being moved for like big boy money. But, um, I, I think he's, he's a good player. I don't know that he's like, the like keystone to this Roma team, um, but he he is a good player and he he showed that quality in the final. It's it's a huge goal. First Italian uh, player to score, and this will make you happy, Dom. Uh, first Italian player to score in a, a European final since two thousand seven, Pippo Inzaghi uh, against Liverpool. So there you go, dude. There's your little nugget. There's there's your little. Uh, what happened in two thousand seven? Uh, maybe one of the most corrupt finals I've ever seen. I, I you know, I, I have, I have, I have reason to believe Calcio Pauli went beyond just uh, Italy and and leaked into European, uh, European. And Dudek didn't come five feet off his line in two thousand five. We all know the traditional big four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you? The fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Hey, whoa, that rule was not established yet, my friend. All right, you know, let's relax. Let's relax, all right? Hey, maybe Shevchenko finishes his lunch. It's not a discussion. I don't know. Um, let's get into uh, some Team of the Season stuff. It's always fun to look back. And uh, and and I got to say, this is a hard exercise because I also tried to not look at other established Team of the Seasons. Um, I wanted to kind of just be like, who who did I think was the best? So I wrote down like a starting eleven just who I thought was great. And then I went back and actually like looked at some stats and then like looked back at some of the show notes that we've had and like play. Cause I think oftentimes too, people get blinded with team of the season on the last like month and a half and really all awards races. I think sometimes, and listen, if someone has like a great last month and it helps win them a title, like Kevin De Bruyne, right? I think it makes total sense to like reward that and be like, yes, that's player of the season. Even though they have a great first half of the year, what he did to win his team, the title and how good he was deserves merit. But you know, there are some players that I think have 
really strong set, like first half of the season and still have a pretty good second half, but get overtaken narrative wise by some of these other like you know bigger name players or just you know guys that stat pad in the last month or whatever. So um, we're gonna start with Syria. I'd make Magnon in net. Hard to see it any other way. I, I don't know that there's really many other uh, goalkeepers that I would have had in front of him. Um, you, you could maybe have some discussions about some other guys, but I I think it's him all the way, uh, especially when he considered Milan won their title on defense, and he was the heart of that. Uh, great shot stopper, great goalkeeper, debut season. Hard to argue. I know you're not going to put up a fight with that one, so I, no. I don't even have to ask you. No. Um, right back was a little more challenging, right? Um, I... I because fullbacks in general, I think, are a little harder to evaluate too. Because you know, you you obviously you know have your more attacking fullbacks, uh, but how do you reward more defensive fullbacks, right? Because even though I would say in general the fullback position is heading towards uh, being able to do everything, and especially being able to provide assists, provide you know good passing quality, um, there's still something to be said about good defensive. I went with Di Lorenzo from Napoli. Still, uh, I think he has a little bit of uh, the best of both. He he gets forward well enough, uh, has some good goal goal contribution numbers, but is still solid defensively. I think this just speaks more to the fact that there's no there's no real outstanding right back in Serie A. I wouldn't say Di Lorenzo is not bad, but um, I I I think there's a little bit of a a lacking quality at that position uh, throughout the whole league. Yeah, I don't think that Dumfries did enough with Inter to to warrant uh, him getting that that. Uh, team of the season spot. Um, uh, Juventus has been playing Danilo there, right? Because Quadrado has been playing a more advanced role for them. They've been like swapping. Yeah. Dumfries was the only one that I was close with, and I love Dumfries. Um, And he actually has some really interesting underlying stats too. He has the best uh, uh, expected goal uh, plus minus. So when he's on the field, Inter have been great, and like he is, he's a huge difference maker for that team. And I think what he gives, I just think defensively, though, not there for me. Yeah. Um, whereas Di Lorenzo, I think maybe isn't as good offensively. Um, maybe doesn't crash the back post as well as Dumfries, but uh, ha- has a better defensive outlay. Uh, but I think part of that could be system too. I don't know if yeah. that's that's harsh on him. I went with Di Lorenzo. Just also too, Napoli had a great defense. And yeah. He was a part of that. I, I would like under a technicality, you could put Kalulu in there, but he he, he made his market center back this season. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I mean, he did. I think that one time he did score, he was playing it right back. So he does. He has shown to like get forward and score goals or get assists, and he obviously has shown, you know, his defensive. But like you said, I agree that he made his mark more as a center back, especially at the end of the season, filling in than as a right back. So you have to give that nod to Di Lorenzo. Uh, center back, I had Tamori. Um, so after I made my list, I, I went and looked at it. Not a lot of people had Tamori, which I found a little surprising. Very weird. Um, he was great this year, uh, especially when you consider that Kier goes down and he has to kind of take like the leadership role and also ends up having Kalulu next to him, a converted center back. And it leads to like the best defensive partnership in Syria over the last really all of 22, 2022, actually. Um, so for me, and I know you're not going to argue with that to worry being in there. Mm-hmm. I had to put this guy in because he did win the defensive MVP of Syria. And a, I mean, I don't think you can make a team of the season without him. I've talked about him before on the show. I'm not fully convinced by Bremer. That's, you know, but like when you look at the the defensive stats, he's like top three in every category, tackling everything, intercepting everything, blocking everything, clearances, all of it. Great. Fine enough. I'm not fully convinced by him. I don't mean to diminish him in this. He won the award because he had all these top stats. Fair enough. Cool. 
I would just like to be on the record as not being a total believer in this guy. Um, that's it. That's it. But you know what? Deserve to be in the team of the season. You cannot tell the story of the year. It would not be fair to have a team this season and not have what was judged to be the best defensive <laughs> center back um, in the league in your team of the season for Syria. But I I don't know. I, I, I don't know that he's quite at the top, top level like some, some maybe believe. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, Bremer is uh, most deserving of this. Uh, <clears throat> I'm on the I'm on the Syria website right now. The top 15 for recoveries. Bremer is first with 466 recoveries. Palomino is second with 50 or 70 less. He has 396 to Bremer's 466 recoveries. But like the problem with defensive stats for me has always been is that part of that is is system based. Part of that too is just like if you're in a worse team, you're you're obviously going to have way more. Like, is Bremer a, a better center back than Van Dyke because he has more tackles or more clearances or more? Recovery? No, like you know, like and that's it's unfair to compare him to what it might be the best center back in the world, right? But like, it, it, people you, you use tackles and, and all this. Right, that, people have to yeah. use, people use tackles and all this stuff all the time to like make their point, and it's like that's not the point. And what I also hate is the replies where it's like Maldini's quote, where it's like, "If I have to make a tackle, I made a mistake." That's also stupid. And Maldini, I think, has even walked that comment back a little bit because that's Maldini, also <laughs> you can make a ten minute compilation right. of how many tackles. He but made. like positioning is very important, and and yeah. I just I think, and also you need to be good at passing now too. And Bremer is not great at passing; he's not that great in the area. I listen. I don't want to turn this into a we're hating on Bremer. I think he won. He won defensive MVP. Good for him. Uh, he was a judge to be the best center back. He can't have a team this season without a minute, in my opinion, for that reason. It's, Who's it's your hard left hard. back? Teo Hernandez. Um, hard to see it any other way. I I think he's been great. Uh, he's been one of the the keystones of this Milan team. Um, this was not based silly off his Maisie run that helped win them the title in the last games of the season. I just think he's been fantastic. I, and it's hard for me to pick uh, any other left back uh, above him. Perisic was close. Um, Perisic is also, I think, gets a little benefit from the system um, because he does like he gets like a lot more space to dribble with and is able to get into some more advanced positions. He gets to work with Bastoni down that left side and he gets forward. And I think there's got a lot of good like interplay there that Teo Hernandez doesn't quite get that benefit he doesn't quite get all that he he has a good link up obviously with Liao but um I think he has more defensive work to do at times I just think Teo is great and I, I think he, you know maybe it's maybe it's uh unfair but I, I think he's deserving of this award all I was gonna say was I was I was gonna ask you know maybe Parasich because that's what you know I'm seeing online a lot of people are putting Parasich over Teo uh, but other people I think you could have either and I would if someone had Perisich I would not call one, that one, the, one won the title and one didn't you know what I'm saying so if it comes down to that then... so it should be just fully full Milan 11 no no, no 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 <laughs> I'm kidding but I'm kidding. but somebody who's so integral to the team and, and you know plays a big part in their success I think that it goes you know without saying that he kind of does need to be you know listed as the best left back in the league for sure yeah, but you know, Perisic was also cru- like if Inter had won the title, it would have been would have in been very him. large yeah. part to even Perisic yeah. in the last in the last few games of that season. Like he oh, exactly. turned it up to a different level. Um, and shout out to him; he'll, he'll be a, he'll be in uh, Tottenham next year. It seems. Uh, well, so we get to watch a little bit more of him again in our one of our main leagues midfield. Sergey Milinkovic Savic, great season. Uh, just imperious midfielder. God damn! <laughs> what a Can't what a player. With you. 
what a what a player um the, the midfield was a little hard for me to figure out right so uh Linkovich Savage I think picks himself I think there's there's three inter midfielders you could go with I went with just my favorite personally and who I think genuinely had just a fantastic year um faded a little bit in the second half of the season but I can't discount what a hot start he had Nico Barella I just think he's he for me he's one of the top midfielders in Syria yeah. and I I think he was great this year and I know Chelinoglu and and even Brozovic at times but like I just I think Barella was so consistent. He's so damn good. He's such a good ball carrier, so good at passing. He just I tell you, I watch I watch a player like him. He makes the right pass just so often. And and he he is like one of those just like he makes like high difficulty passes look routine. And I I think he's just uber talented. Um yeah, I I Nico Barella for me. Um, I agree with you on that one too. I don't, I, I have no disagreements until this next one. The third one is where it gets interesting. And this is where I think if I can make my case first half of the season, this guy was unplayable, literally one of the best players in the league. I do agree with you. And we that. stopped talking about him and that's because he and the team faded a little bit, but for me, still deserving of it. Uh, you look at his goal contribution numbers. He's, he's in the top marks for, for goals and assists this season, had a, had a, a career year. I think was fantastic is in fact one of the only reasons that Atalanta even finishes in the top half is because of Mary Pasolich and I feel like people have, have kind of ah, come on what are we doing here this guy was amazing this year and I feel like we forgot about that again I understand the context that he, he faded a little bit Atalanta did not have a great season but I think he did all that in spite of that right like in spite of not having the big players around him despite not having the easy circumstances he was great and I mean great um, and I just, I think he, I think he deserved to be in the team this season. For me, it's hard to tell the story of, of this season without including Pasolich. I, I ran through all the other midfielders. You could listen. If someone else, if you have some other player in there, I think we can have that conversation. But for me, Pasolich was one of the best midfielders and maybe that's cheating too, because he was a little more advanced this year, but I just, if for me, he was, he was one of the midfielders of the season and that's why he's in my team of the season. Yeah. To me, to me, um, Pasolich is more of like a forward in my eye. Uh, he For Atalanta, he plays more of like the left forward or right forward position. So if I were to put him in my team of the season, I'd have to put him in at like right at like the right forward kind of uh, position. But there's someone who you have in your list who I agree with deserves that more. Um, and when it comes into the midfield, I think that uh, Sandro Tonali deserves a spot in that team of the season, um, being one of the generals to step up to in 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 this year at Milan as a young player into the role that he's you know been given and and how it's evolved over the course of the season. Where at the beginning of the season he was more of your you know uh, just stay back, get the ball, win the ball, paying a pass, you know you know work in the Work in the link-up play, but then he has that vision to play a longer, longer uh, ball either over the top for Liao or, or, or find somebody downfield. And then closer towards the end of the season, it kind of evolved, and and Pioli gave him a lot more freedom to get forward. You're seeing him make these, you know, late runs into the box for Liao to find on a cross or for somebody to lay off to him, and you know he he ends up, you know, getting these chances that. You know, he scored some very crucial goals that helped Milan, you know, win some of those games they needed to win the league. So I think that uh, he definitely deserves a spot in my team of the season for that. And you know what? Fair enough. But I, I just think, for me, Passage was great. 
and I, I think deserves deserves credit for for how good he was this year. Uh, Thirteen goals, six assists. I think I think he was just one of the one of the top midfielders for me this season. Uh, let's move to the the front three. This one honestly, I think kind of picks itself. I I don't know how how different you could really get with this front three. I, I I've seen some other people included in some other lists, but um, there's only a few that I would say you could change. Domenico Berardi, I just had a career year, un- unbelievable season. I don't know how. I, I just think he was he was great this season. Um, Immobile. I know that it's a little bit tired, but he did win the golden boot. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it's, I think the only other player that I struggled with with him was Vlahovic. Um, I know Vlahovic, it didn't end great, but he did propel Fiorentina to that spot and was the hottest goal scorer. And I think we also forget too that. Stat went, okay. But when he went to Juventus too, part of the turnaround with Juventus was because of him. Uh, Juventus was in a much more difficult no, position right. and he, you know, I know it goes beyond the league too, but had a great Champions League. Uh, although it obviously didn't end well for the, the team, but uh, performed to high standards there. But he really propelled Juventus out of a bad position and had put Fiorentina in, in the spot where they end up finishing in, in European places. So Vlahovic, I think, um, I part of me wanted to put him over them, but I, I just don't know that people will, will take that well. So uh, Immobile in the striker position and Rafael Liao on the left wing. I, I listen. I saw I saw one list had Insignia there, and I almost I almost punched my screen because that's insane to me. I can't believe that somebody. I'm not sure Insignia was the best left wing on his own team. Actually, like I I can't believe that anybody would dare try to put somebody who didn't score a single goal from open play. He scored two, I think, from open play this year. He's got like five goals on the season, six goals, like. Nah, you can't take a take a shell of, of, of what we used to know Lorenzo Insigne and, and put him in there just based off of stature. But um I think that your your top three are, are the ones that go without say. Like Leao was the league MVP. He gets in regardless. Uh Immobile has the golden boot. Enough said, right? One the it, one the attacker MVP as yeah. well. And and he he he's still doing this for as long as he has on a team that, you know, is wildly inconsistent. And and yet he still has uh, the consistency to be a top goal scorer, if not the top goal scorer in the league every season. So, you know, uh, hats off to him. And then, yeah, Berardi had an absolutely incredible season this year. Uh, league leader in assists. I think he was top, what, like seven in, in yeah. goals. So, I mean, he was absolutely incredible for Sassuolo, and that was one of the reasons why every time Milan decided to play Sassuolo, I got nervous because this man just always seems to put it in the back of the net. So, um, and if he's not scoring, he's finding somebody that will score. So, yeah, the, I I don't have much different than what you would put in there. Um, the our only discrepancy is that Pasolich. So there's some names oh. that I, I just wrote down that I think you could like if I saw these names on someone else's list, be like, okay. Uh, so Osiman, it's hard because he missed some time and, and ultimately didn't have the numbers, but he won I think uh, under 23 like MVP best player. I, Syria does it in a weird kind of way. Instead of just saying like the young player, I think they called U23 awards. Tammy is more deserving of that than. So I had Tammy Abraham uh, as as another player. I, I think you could have him there. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't hate that. Uh, Chalinoglu, I think you could make in your midfield. He was one of the top assisters in the league. Uh, had, a, had a pretty good campaign for Inter. One of his best goal assist contributions of his career. Hard to argue. If you had Koulibaly as your center back, it feels a little more lifetime achievement to me. Um, but he, you know, it was one of the, the foundations of the best uh, defensive team for a very long time in Serie A this season. So, fair enough. Uh, Perisic was another name. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some other guys you can include. I think with the team of the season, it's always hard. Um but you know what? It, it is what it is. Just don't have Lorenzo Insigne in your team of the season, and we're probably square. I think it's, as long as you can make a reasonable argument for that player, fair enough. You know, like fair enough. That's the way it works. Let's move to the Premier League. Um, this one was um, challenging in some ways, easy in some. Some of these just write themselves in. I don't know how you debate it. Um, Allison, you could have Ederson. You could have Jose Sa at goalkeeper. I picked Allison because I just think 1v1, he's the best goalkeeper I think I've ever seen. Uh, just shuts people down. I know Jose Sa had like unreal, um, like expected goal difference. Like he, some of the, one of the best performing seasons ever. Um, the problem is those seasons are usually followed up by severe regression. Um, so I'm not sure Jose Sa is that good. And he just had an outstanding, you know, like wonder season and it's going to come crash. I don't want to, I don't want to poo poo on it, but you know, if people pick Jose Sa and that's the reason, Fair enough. And you could honestly pick Ederson or Allison, and I don't... I don't know. They, they both finished tied for for the Gold Glove. Hard to separate them, personally. Um, I just think Allison, fantastic. I think it was actually probably one of Liverpool's best players uh, this season, so uh, that's why he's in there for me. Uh, Trent at right back. I'm sorry. I don't think you can pick anyone else. <laughs> I think the two fullbacks in this team, I don't know how you make an argument. I think Reese James, if he stays healthy, maybe... Maybe there's a discussion. Outside of that, I don't I don't know what, what discussion there's to be had. Um, the center backs, I think, is the only only part of the team, I think, that gets a little contentious. I had Antonio Rudiger. Um, I think he was great this year. Great passer. Scored some key goals. I think he was part of a, a Chelsea defense that was very good. Uh, he's moving on to Real Madrid now. I, I just think he's... You could honestly pick Thiago Silva, and I wouldn't hate it. I just felt like Rudiger... Did some things this year, took some leaps forward that I think is deserving of some recognition. I thought he was very good, and uh, he's going to be partnered by Virgil Van Dyke. Center backs are challenging. I, I think you could have you could have like Ruben Diaz in there. I wouldn't hate that. Uh, like I said, if you had Thiago Silva, I wouldn't hate that. We can we can have that conversation at least there. I, I think there's there's reasonable. If Christian Romero had played the full season. Might work his way into that discussion as well, but it's tough when he, he faced the injuries he did. Um, and I feel like wasn't consistent really as, as like a starter until, you know, like January, February onwards. So um, that's that's my beef with Romero is simply I don't know that he played enough to necessarily be team of the season. But if he plays like that again next year, he's in the conversation at least. Yeah, I mean, I think that it goes without saying that Virgil gets in there. I think that Rudiger had a good, uh, had a very good season. I mean, there's a reason he's going to Real Madrid now, right? I think he's kind of like solidified, you know, the fact that you know he is a top top center back. Um, like you said, you could you could say Ruben Diaz, you could say Laporte, but um, uh, you could say Thiago Silva. That 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 one spot is is, is down to to preference, but um, I think that it goes without saying that Virgil, you know, takes his rightful claim to at least one of those two spots. Fair enough. Uh, Jao Cancelo at left back. You could put him at right back, and that might be fair too, because he played like he played like I think played twenty-two both. games at left, fourteen games at right. 
uh, just a stupid player in what he can do. I mean, it's just uh, unreal. Um, if in real life having him and Trent at at full like opposite fullback positions would be pretty disgusting. Don't get any ideas, Manchester City, or get some ideas, Liverpool. That might be cool. Uh, just kidding, Andy Robertson light of my life but um <laughs> Kinsella is just spectacular uh it's unreal uh, and Juventus should be slapping themselves I, I, can't, I can't believe they let this man go uh he's just so goddamn good um and he's I I saw this stat too he started the uh he had the most minutes of uh any pep player the only two players in like pep's entire career that he's played in a similar amount of time and like did not rotate Messi and Danny Alves. So, there you go. <laughs> you know what? Like, good company to find yourself in. One of the best fullbacks of all time. Uh, certainly one of the archetypes for, like, the modern fullback, right? And the best player of all time. Uh, underneath, <laughs> one of the best managers, if not the best manager of all time. So, shout out to Jock Ancelo um, for being amazing. Uh, midfield. Midfield could get a little weird. You know, you could you could have different uh, different guys here. I had Kevin De Bruyne. He ends up winning player of the season in some of the awards, pretty much all like the big mainstream ones. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne wins, and I wouldn't say undeservingly. Uh, career year and goals. And again, when you talk about what he did uh, in the run into the title to win City, um, the, the Premier League, totally deserved. Uh, just a fantastic player, one of the best midfielders I've ever seen play. Uh, Declan Rice. Had a great year for West Ham. I know Jaron Bowen stole a lot of the headlines, but I think Declan Rice was amazing this year as well. Deserves a lot of credit. Um, I wouldn't take beef or, or argument with people maybe subbing him out somewhere. But um, And then Bernardo Silva. People forget he was in player of the year discussions in like December, which I thought was stupid. Um, but he was great again this year. And it's just like an absolute running monster. Uh, just covers so much ground. We know what a great like dribbler he is. Big game player too, for whatever reason. Like anytime, like I speak from this angle as a Liverpool fan, but always seems to have a, a really strong performance in these big, big uh, potential like title decider games. Um, yeah, so De Bruyne, Rice, and Bernardo Silva. Um, not a bad midfield, but I, I think there there are some names you know you could throw in there, and I wouldn't hate uh, Fabinho, uh, Rodri. Tiago, I, I think, can all um, you know deserve some space, some discussion at least, right? Mason Mount uh, as a midfielder, right? Um, you could have Kovacic in there, you know, like it's hard. <laughs> like if there's one thing I've learned through this discussion, you could even talk to me about like trying to force Saka into that position, right? Or Odegaard, like. I think you could, you could have that conversation, Connor Gallagher. You could speak to me about Connor Gallagher. I will listen to you, but I just think it's hard. You know, like it's just it's a challenge making this team of the seasons. Yeah, I, th I think the only one that's a sure lock is always like Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I mean, Bernardo Silva had an absolutely incredible season this year. What he did for City was great. Um, uh, yeah, I think that people would argue with you about the Declan Rice one. I think a lot of people may be. They may lean more towards like Mason Mount, um, who was a top, who was like, well, I think he was top five on the assist tallies this season or something like that. And then he also bagged himself 11 goals. I think he had 21 goal contributions in all competitions uh, or, or sorry, in the league. So um, that's a shout. I mean, uh, I, I was just looking at some of the stats. I mean, like Paul Pogba had more assists than Kevin De Bruyne. 
but also for City, the way that they play. Paul Pogba got like four so in the, the very early stage of the season out, so. and like barely <laughs> played this year. Paul Pogba's not making. We'll talk no, to him. There's about, no way. No, no. I'll tell you what, Don. We'll tell you what. Syria team the season next year. Maybe we'll talk about Paul Pogba then. Maybe we'll talk about Paul Pogba then. Um, no, nah, De- Decky was, was really good this year. Decky was really good this year. So yeah. Uh, so Mason Mount, by the bad. way, finished, um, uh, in seventh for goals and assists, uh, combined 21, um, in the league. Mo Salah with 36, Youngman Son with 30, Harry Kane with 26, Kevin De Bruyne with 23, Jared Bone with 22, Ronaldo with 21, Mason Mount with 21, James Madison with 20. I um, think, I think your forwards, your forwards for this team, I, I don't think are, are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You can't argue these teams. You right. can't argue so these bits. These, these are hard, like, it's hard. Like, Jared Bone is the only one that I think you could have a discussion about breaking through to these front three. So I had Salah, I mean, come on, um, most goals and assists combined. No one has talked about the fact, too, that he he did that and Harry Kane. Like, everyone not shut up about the fact that Harry Kane did it last year and most Salah does it and it's like crickets. Weird. Um Harry Kane at striker. He had a, a especially great second half of the season. I've raved about his passing. Such a great striker. Such a great player. Uh, Youngman's son on the left. Again, such a great player. Uh, did it without penalties too, which deserves a lot of credit. Um, and a great second half of the season. You could tell Antonio Conte just loves uh, working with him. Uh, I think also benefits a lot from having Kulusevski provide him service rather than Lucas Moura. Um, but yeah, Salah, Kane, son. I think Jared Bowen. We could have a chat about Jared Bone. We could have that discussion. I don't think he breaks into that. Um, it's tough because he had a great year, but I just—you can't tell me that he's better than any of those three, and that or that he had a better year because he just—he didn't, and that sucks. But it is what it is. I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not going to complain. I mean, Son Son is uh, tied for the Golden Boot with with Salah. Salah also has the most assists. It goes without saying. And then when you when you think about pure strikers in the league, there there really only is one that comes to mind that stands above everyone else, and that's Harry Kane. I don't think that there's another number nine on any team in in the Prem that like, ha- aside from maybe Cristiano Ronaldo, but like. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You know, looking how Juventus went. Like, I mean, his season, he, he scored a lot. Right, he he had what like twenty something gold contributions for for United, but when when you take a look at what he accomplished and then how that translated to United's success, I think that you know Harry Kane, you know what he did for his team and and uh, being able to secure Champions League for Tottenham this season, I think that you know definitely puts him you know, above everybody else is that best number nine in the league. I don't think that there's anybody else that comes close to touching him when it comes to that position. Ivan Tony, just kidding. Uh, Ivan Tony's a tier below, but I love Ivan Tony. Um, looking forward to seeing him next year and what he does. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think, again, Jared Bone, we could have that conversation. 
Um, James Madison had a better season. I think people have given him credit for. So you could talk to him about the midfield. Uh, you could have Diogo Jota, Sadio Mane. You, you could have that talk. Uh, I know Saka, again, have that conversation if you'd like. Um, but I just, it's hard. It's hard. It's it's a hard thing to do, this team of the season stuff. Um, we're just going to wrap up with some some little news, right? Some some things that have come out in the last week. Uh, Monza, by the way, Dom, going up to Syria, owned by your boy. Berlusconi. My boy. He's back in the Serie A, baby. Hey, he oversaw some of the best Milan years and some of the worst. And then decided to to pull all the money out because he had to spend it all gambling. You know, he had to to pull all that money out and say, you know what? I want an all-Italian young team, and that's going to do wonders. But didn't put any money into the youth program. He's back. You know, he's He's back. back. Like Voldemort, baby, he's back. Um, Next so thing you know, is gonna sign Mario Balotelli. So <laughs> you never know. Don't don't discount it. Uh, you saw his goal. You know how good he still is. Uh, Ralph <laughs> Ragnit, Dom. This is hilarious. I mean, you know, just listen. As a Liverpool fan, down in the dumps after the Champions League final, what is truly the best? Hearing all about how Ralph Rangnick was the grandfather and the sole reason that Julian Nagelsmann, that Jurgen Klopp are successful managers, is that he personally hand taught Hansi Flick and Jurgen Klopp how to press, uh, will not be returning with the club, is not going to take that consultancy job. They hired this bum to do six months of terrible work. He was worse than Ole, and the whole silver lining the entire time, he's a great consultant. He's going to figure out the- Gone. Done. Like See ya. Turkey? Uh, he's going, he's taking over the Austrian national team, which, you know, fair enough. Good gig. Devote all your time and energy to that. I just think it's hilarious because they would not shut up about how he was going to like revolutionize Manchester United. It literally did not even last a year. Not even, come on. I mean, just come on. It's hilarious to me. I I, I mean, you, I know you won't, but I kind of feel bad for United because I know exactly what they're going through and I know you don't care. I think I personally... Actually, I don't want to say – I when I say I feel bad, it's just a figure of speech because I love seeing it too. I absolutely hate Manchester United, but um, I know exactly what they're going through, and they're going through that one stage now. Nothing works. So the coaching carousel happens. The player carousel happens. Yeah, just, just oh, send that here. I, God that, damn. It feels all too, feels all so too close, good. It feels so good. You know what sucks, though, is they've been linked a lot to Frankie de Young, and that's one of my favorite players. So if he ends up at United, I'm going to be tight. Um, so let's not have that happen, shall we? But Ralph Rangnick gone. Uh, we'll see what direction United head in. Last piece of news, Dom. Apparently Lukaku's lawyer is going to be in Milan, uh, negotiating away from him to head back to Inter. I mean, surely not, right? I mean, <laughs> surely not. Because they're trying to sign Paulo Dybala. They're also trying to sign Mkhitaryan. There's no, everybody. There's no way they're getting they're, they're just all vibes. They're going with the, the 307. <laughs> just, just rolling out. <laughs> Alessandro Bastoni is going to tear both hamstrings six times if he has to cover that much space as a defender. Well, no, apparently, uh, apparently he's going to get scooped up by Tottenham. Uh, so the listen, rumor, the rumor mill has been going that I uh, love Alessandro Bastoni. That's one of the England. other snubs you could have in my Serie A team of the season. Um, if I'm Inter, I'm not accepting anything less than a hundred million for him. He is such a good like. Under no circumstances am I letting him leave unless it's like coming to blood 
Like, that's it. I, the, there's no shot on letting, letting him leave my club. He's so damn good. Screen special? ER, you can find another screen ER. Bastoni, he's come on. Say, right? he, yeah. he cannot. He's, he's so good for that system. Mm, no, 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 no. If Spurs get him, though, now we're, now we're having a chat. And Atalanta, yeah. by the way, developing yeah. these players. Bastoni, Romero, you're welcome. You're welcome. Kulusevsky, yeah. you're welcome. Um, so Lukaku back to Inter. I mean, not even, not even what, nine months in Chelsea? Not even ten months? I don't know That's if it's going to work out the same for him because it's a new system. I don't know anything. I, I couldn't. Listen, you could tell me. Any, like you could tell me ten different things about Lukaku, and I might believe all of them. Like in terms of wh- if where we're ha- this time next year, what discussion we're having about Lukaku, you could tell me there's an amazing bounce back season there. Chelsea, so be like, good. You could tell me he goes back to Inter, lights it up. Good. You could, like, you could tell me he just doesn't play at all this year. I'd be like, ah, maybe he could. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's bizarre with him. Um, I, 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 I don't know what direction he ends up in, but I just thought that was an interesting piece of news if he does, in fact, yeah. head back to Syria. I don't uh-huh. know where he would end up elsewhere, honestly, because yeah. he's on on big money. Some, of, some of the rumors I saw, somebody, somebody, I don't know how much, like if this had any type of weight to it at all, but somebody was saying that he wouldn't go to Inter, but he would actually go to Milan. I don't think that personally Lukaku would do that. Um, and I don't think that Milan would want to pay for him. Um, there was also another uh, rumor saying that Real Madrid are interested in Rafael Leal. Um, but again, like what you said about Bastoni with Inter, Milan is the same way with Leal. You cannot let him go for anything. No under way is Madrid no. getting Leal. No, no way. They, they've they got, they've got those wings figured out. They're yeah, not. They're so there's not no way. way. But um. I, I just thought it was funny because the rumor mill is now going, and instead of Milan being interested in buying players, it's now people being interested in buying the Milan players. So it's kind of you know the shoes on the other foot. But well, they're losing some players to free agency, right? Romagnoli uh, will be gone. Kessi, you know, we, mm-hmm. we know he's going to Barcelona. He's going to Barcelona. Um, so they are going to have to, you know, they're they're obviously going to have to buy players. It's going to be interesting seeing where Milan end up in terms of transfers Renato um, and who they get. Renato Sanchez, uh, wish casting. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just disclaimer to everyone, it's silly season, right? You can't believe everything you read on Twitter, okay? Like, people are going to say that the X player is going to Y club tomorrow, and it's not going to happen. The only player that I, I think we know for sure, it seems like, is definitely going somewhere. It does seem like now Dybala is heading to Inter. I know Roma had this, like, weird push, but uh, Dybala is, is likely to be an Inter player. Origi to Milan. Origi to Milan, which is it's just interesting. Um legend right just truly some of the most legendary goals that i've ever seen in my life uh jurgen klopp has said best finisher at the club no bullshit either like i said that about divac Origi, and i kind of believe it um instinctual player uh can be frustrating but i think if he gets like the good game time could come very good i think people forget how good he was pre uh he had that really bad ankle injury um very early on in like klopp's tenure here but uh just i'll, I'll miss that guy just yeah. Truly, some when you see that he's getting subbed on in a game that had some meaning, you knew that some magic was coming. And uh, they can't take away the Barcelona goal. They can't take away that Everton goal. They can't take away the goal in the Champions League final. God bless him. Wherever he goes, I'm glad he went to Milan. Great club, great history, great fans. Fair enough. They'll, they will appreciate the magic that is Divac Origi. Dom, I appreciated the magic of recording this episode with you. 
Do you have anything to say before we get up out of here? I just want to shed light on how much of an amazing, incredible, like I, I, you can't even describe it in words, the effort. And, and, and dedication that Zlatan Ibrahimovic had for this season for Milan. He played six months without a knee, basically. His ACL is completely gone. He drained his knee every single day so that he could, like, be ready to play. Like, he wasn't even training with the team. He maybe trained six times over the course of six months with, with, with the team uh, just so he could be ready to play. And that's the reason he had less and less and less – uh, playing time because he legit just could not play anymore. And still on the last day was still out there trying to get a goal. He should have scored it. Goal, the goal got called back, but to be able to, you know, come out and like, say that, like for six months, I drained my knee every single day. So I could just at least have the, have the chance of, you know, contributing to them winning the league. It just makes it all that much more sweet that, you know, he, he, he came back to Milan he repeated, won it, won it again with that team, and really just cements himself as as a legend within within the club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't know what's next for his stage of the career, right? He's going to have surgery, and <laughs> listen, I've made the mistake of saying at his age with that surgery, I don't know about his future. It does feel like this one, though. Uh, it's hard. He might come back for like a game just to get like a great ovation, and he Player totally coach. deserves that. But um, seems like. Yeah, you're you're turning to a different phase of your career. We'll we'll maybe do a, an introspective on Ibra one of these. You know, we're gonna have some space to fill over the summer. Um, but yeah, one of the most unique and best players I've seen, honestly, uh, goes out like a champion. Uh, not surprised at all that he like put himself through that pain because uh, that's just it, listen everything. I know he gets a little Chuck Norris like with some of the stuff. Uh, part of that is his brand, but um, you cannot question his like commitment. To, to winning uh, and he has won a lot in his career so shout out to Ibra um, we'll be back next week we'll be talking about we got some World Cup qualifiers we'll be talking about some transfers we'll be talking about some other things you know we'll have some ideas cooking up for the summer so don't worry uh, you know even though there's not going to be regular games like we're used to there's still going to be plenty to chat about uh, plenty of news and all of that some speculation talk uh, we'll be doing some deep dives and all of that until then, though, I hope you enjoy maybe a more relaxing week. I don't know about you, but it felt kind of nice to not have to watch like eight hours of games and be like, you know what? I can kind of just I can read a book. This is nice. Got my Saturdays and Sundays back. It's pretty cool. Um, but as long as you tune in, as long as you watch next week, we're cool. We're vibing. Uh, and we'll talk to you then. See ya.